0: Button done <laughs> up. I'm very
1: relaxed as you can tell the stretcher. Yeah. Wait. So hey man, uh welcome to the ISS podcast. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the invitation. I'll... Yeah, no worries. 7 30 in the morning. See how we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. just a little bit about you. you I mean I did a bit of research sort of last night when we were trying to cram it in and there's a lot. Uh and I just want to take people on your journey as well you're a sergeant at two commando that's right prior to that you were the founding member
0: of, of from four rar to two commando yep i was um, one of them yes yep. a few hundred of us <laughs> 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 yeah but yeah that's right i was there when it uh switched over in 2009 i was actually in uh, iraq at the time so um i actually put a message out because we had people all over the world and it would just been great to have a photo from all around the world and on team and so forth on the birthday. And um, yeah, it, it was a good idea, but it didn't happen. But um, yeah, it's it was born out of, on the battlefield really. And then we, we go
1: from, and then it said eight different black belts. Yeah, There's I think,
0: eight, yeah, eight, eight the last time I counted. <laughs> so the only reason I say that is it sounds like you know uh, what black belts you're getting, but I'm starting to get like um, recognized by other organizations. So technically I don't count that as a different black belt, but it's another organization that's internationally recognizing your qualifications and so on. So that's sort of picking up. So yeah, I think it's eight. It's, um, it sounds about right, yeah. So what are, what are the disciplines that you've got? Well, that's a good way to count them, so thanks for that. So um, (laughs) I started out with Taekwondo as a youngster, and that was... uh, I'd started training with a friend who did Taekwondo in 1979, and then uh, early 80s I started. um, There wasn't much to choose from, so back then it's not like today. You know, you had a club in your town, if you're lucky, and they were all clubs. They trained twice a week. You didn't have the choices you had today. They had white uniforms and they were kicking and punching. So I thought, yep, that's what I want to do. Um, And then mid eighties, I started doing judo and then uh, I came across Aikido. So basically I would read a martial art book and try and find this martial art and learn about it. Um, Then, Or I'd get post, like I joined the army in 1987 and then you get posted so you was doing looked for another aikido club and came across uh, Yoshinkan which is a different style again and there's a Japanese instructor in Townsville and uh, so I started doing that and then I found a judo club up there and it's just mixed and mashed and then karate um, in 1987 and yeah just went from there and then I went to Japan to Do the Live in Japan and train in 1991. That's my first trip to Japan. And when I came back, you know, I wanted I knew more about martial arts, and that's just sort of how how it went along. And eventually you do something long enough, you know, you'll get your black belt. But um, the main thing for me was to sort of have a foundation understanding, which for me was black belt, I thought was a, a good level for that. Then, obviously, in the 90s, UFC started with these Gracies and they were beating on everyone. So we thought, okay, we need to learn that. And so we started that. And that's just sort of how it played out. And um, I mean, back then, no one did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And everyone around what was called Vale Tudo, no holds barred. MMA wasn't a word back then. Everyone just thought you were a thug and the news media was you know, constantly putting it down and saying how it's just pit fighting and so on. Completely opposite today. Where well, you know, it's uh it's as sort of common to hear about it as football or anything yeah, else. Yeah, to respect I think we well. were watching the UFC
1: difficult. one I think we got some DVDs from some the more. old ones. Yeah, the old, oh, ones. the old ones UFC one oh, you're yeah. like a sumo wrestler and oh, yeah. fucking Gracie. It was
0: it was out of control. Yeah. And it was like <clears throat> the idea was style against style. So obviously, Horian Gracie, was, uh, who was started it and promoting it, was about promoting Gracie Jiu Jitsu. So, you know, he wanted to have this style against this style and show that uh, the family style is what was the thing to do. Um, for us, I mean, we had this sort of judo, you know, like I, I saw it and uh, I went to Jean Jacques Machado. Um, his first seminar, I think, was about ninety four or something like that um, in Australia. Uh, it was brought out by John Will, and um, I just popped in to that and got beaten up and uh, played with, and just thought, yeah, wh- what's going on, you know? And uh, yeah, it was, uh, and that was it. As ironically, I got my black belt with uh, Jean Jacques Machado in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, so sort of. End up in the army and, and away and back, and with these uh, with someone who was linked to his brother Higgin and then and then you know other people um, based on moving a lot, which also slowed down my progress in in the belt system because I I went to war, things like that. People tend to want to see you when you when you're grading, so it made it a bit harder to grade, but I always kept training, and uh, yeah, ironically got my black belt with Jean Jacques. So um, to answer your question, in a long way, uh, Taekwondo started, Judo, um, I've had a black belt, uh, three styles of Aikido, or old it's, it's Aiki Budo, and some of them actually are still called Aiki Jiu-Jitsu when the when the founder um, trained, which is uh, Tamiki, which is the sport version, Yoshinkan, which is considered the hard style which is sort of like uh it's what taught is taught to the Tokyo riot police and um Ryu, which is a Yoseikan school which is uh they're all pre-World War Two style so they're they're not so much the flipping around flowing as much um you can see you see that in Yoshinkan but the others are more um look more like jiu-jitsu style you know or competitive version um brazilian jiu-jitsu um kyokushin budokai khan which is all-round fighting kudo dada juku i ran that for the branch chief for australia um what else yep that sounds about right <laughs> so does karate
1: is is karate has it got utility in the modern disciplines? yeah
0: yeah actual the original uh karate started from okinawa um is is really a mixed martial art all-round fighting um the reason you don't see that is the introduction to it to mainland japan so um if you want to have a quick sort of little history lesson yeah, on okay so basically um there was a massive international boxing match that was famous around the world that was watched back in the 1920s, and the, and the Japanese were just sick for boxing after seeing it, you know, just like we do today when we see something. Uh, they didn't have any boxing coaches and things like that, and they're like, well, what do we have that's, you know, like boxing? And and Japanese martial arts in mainland is all about, uh, it's all around the weapon systems and stuff like you know the battlefield stuff, that of uh, styles like Yagu Shinkage Ryu or Katori shinto Ryu and stuff like that, and then the unarmed systems that's sort of a weapon and so on, that supports a weapon. So um, they're like, oh, hang on, you know, they've gone over and the Okinawans, which is now part of Japan, used to be separate, they've got this thing where they're kicking and punching and it's better than boxing because they're kicking as well. So, you know, that was the thing and and the, and the reason they got rid of the throwing and the other elements is because it was the boxing element they wanted to promote.
1: So they bastardised karate to, to, to sort yeah. of compete with they, the Western boxing. Yeah,
0: to Western boxing. Fuck yeah. It. And it actually didn't had no high kicks. So even the high kicks um, was influenced by the French with sabbat. So the French were one of the trainers for the new Japanese army. So when the Japan went through its period of modernization, the French were part of that and the French were doing sabbat. And the French had a, a system for their unarmed combat. they did like little carters and all these high kicks and that and the the karate guys like the high kicks too so they they took that from sabat people don't realize the western influence on um on the on japanese um japanese karate definitely but before that it was just grab people pound people low kicks elbows it was it's it's literally if you look at okinawan styles it's it's all about uh fighting the thing is it has carters and the carters can sometimes lose context or sometimes often. So what's a, what's a kata? Kata is when you see people doing these moves, in the, you know, what, like a dance, if you like, a sequence of moves on their own. There's also katas that you do with a partner. So judo, for instance, has partner katas. And the old martial arts have katas too. But they're not as rigid as what people think they are. They actually... Um, The different ways of doing katas is basically because people just did things slightly different. So it's the same technique, but my body's different and so on. So whoever sort of led that style of karate may do the same kata in a slightly different version. Their followers copy that, but basically that's the way that particular person did that kata. So it's, um, and the reason for katas is form because the, the human body's mostly made up of water. You know, we don't understand structure and if you play cricket or whatever, you need structure to learn how to bat or learn how to bowl, teach the body how to move. So it's a way of teaching movements um, before the actual putting hands on people so that, you know, your stances start become natural and things like that. Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting thing and it's, it's funny because you move away from it and you just go down this line of, oh, it's all garbage and it's all about fighting. And then as time goes on you just start learning things and discovering things and it sort of comes back and you realize that uh, you just didn't know much when you're younger so what's the drive to when you like young
1: paul going i want to learn all these different was it a is it just a, a thirst for knowledge or was it was there no it
0: was a thirst for uh stop being beaten up yeah yep so that was it, I just got beaten up a lot. And um, back then Bruce Lee was a big thing. Um, and yeah, so you just watch this little Asian fellow just jump up and- Kick the fuck out of people. fuck out of everyone. <laughs> and just go, yeah, that's, that must, no, that's the way to go. So um, I just learned martial arts and I didn't, and, and you know, you don't have the confidence to fight back when you're not used to. So it took a lot of years to actually do something about people beating down on me. And one day I just unleashed and it just, there it was, I actually did something that, um, it was just something that I've always done, you know, just fell back into old habits and then realized it didn't work. And, and the guy was coming at me and then I actually did what I've been trained to do. And that worked just fine. And (laughs) and then after that was like, yeah, no worries. It gave me confidence, you know, I think there's a massive thing with, uh, it,
1: there's stuff with chicks growing up. Chicks like, oh, you don't know what it's like to be a chick. You know, you have a we have periods and we have fucking social reputation destruction. Dudes get in. Like when you're young, you got to learn to fucking bang because it's different. It's a physicality and testosterone, mm. right? Yeah. And then you have to learn to move forward yeah. in the face of fear.
0: Well, that's right. And and you know all this um, is anti-bullying, which don't get. I'm all for. You know, you, you, it's not a good thing to be bullied. Okay. Um, and language towards people and that. Yep. It's, it's good to have manners. I mean, a lot of these things are just taken care of if we just have social structure and manners and, um, we just sort of pissed all that off. And then we wonder why we've all got to, you know, start thinking this way and that way about bullying and so forth. Well, how about we just be fucking polite to start with. And, yeah. and for me, that works well because I just think, well, if I'm polite, and um you're coming at me well at least I started off on the right foot so that sort of must make me the good guy you know so there's a there's a bit of that but the other side of it too is um let's see I was in prime primary school in the 70s so I hit it was the 80s you know when I hit uh, secondary school I did year 12. I did my year 12 in 1986 so that means I was 1980 when i started secondary school right so 70s we went through all these new ideas you know i mean when i went to school to start with you got the cane things like that like you just corrected your behavior pretty quickly but we started these new ideas where you don't do this and you have time out and you know don't fight back we negotiate none of it works
1: I don't think any of it still works. What are your, no, your kids not, are? Not No, it's all
0: positive reinforcement these days. Yeah. Yeah. i like, got young kids,
2: like two and four, and in daycare or preschool, and they get in trouble. And it's, I'm like, so you just bring it up when I pick them up. They're like, oh, you did this today, you did that. I'm like, cool. How did you respond? Uh, and they're like, oh, well, we, we, we use positive reinforcement. I'm like,
0: how'd that go I'm like, yeah no it doesn't work <laughs> yeah that's why we're letting you know please yeah. <laughs> do something about it it happened in perth yeah Got
3: a, two play. days like two days ago down at the beach there was a uh, a party and there was a hundred kids at this party and only 10 people rocked up from another sort of part of town and flogged every single one of them and it's all on video and not one of that group of 100 stood up for themselves or fought back. They just sat there and watched their mates get flogged. So it's like the whole thing just you were talking about, like don't fight back and negotiate. It doesn't fucking work when you're getting bashed.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, if it worked, we wouldn't have wars. Yeah. You know, like simple as that. Once someone decides that violence is the answer, then you're going to have to sort of you need dig in. yeah. Simple as that so yeah look uh, people can do as they like and i think a lot of it uh, look to be i think a lot of it is because of how safe society is generally speaking so you can make up whatever you want when you're actually not dealing with violence you go this is the best way to deal with violence how often do you deal with violence i've never dealt with it or someone raised their voice at me just it's (laughs) horrible so that's violence and i know people that use the language you know it's like when people use language, and they say, "Yeah, they, they uh, you're they've been abused," you know, it's like, "What's what's abused?" Well, you yelled at me. Well, okay, if that's your interpretation of abuse, then I need some new words for being beaten to a pulp, because you know what I mean. Can't use the same word because if that word means that now, yeah, it's it's just it's odd.
1: Or well, verbal assault and verbal uh, assault
0: yeah okay no worries
2: i mean you're right that's where we're at in history right now is the western world is so safe and comfortable that we've allowed room for all these social experiments that are kind of taking mm-hmm. over mm. it's getting dangerous
0: yeah and i think the other thing too is there's a lot of virtual signaling so i think there's a lot of people in um in government positions and so forth that see these minority groups who are uh, empowered mostly through political reasons They, you know most people couldn't care less about politics. So you have people with agendas who are easy for politicians to say, hey, I'll, I'll back your agenda, you back me. And then you have this minority group that has sort of a wider political agenda. And then also I'm, imp- I'm empowering this minority group and turning things into law. And the reason the majority hasn't said anything is they just don't care about the politics. And then you get to the point where we start caring because we're getting sick of being told, you know. Like, quite frankly, I would just rather be left alone, like most people. On, you know, we need politicians. I don't like the word government. I I prefer it to be a, a, you know, a service that looks after the the group. But um, you know, it's democracy is a great, I guess, a better version because we separate powers. You know, communism sounds great. It's just much easier to take over a communist government if you're a tyrant so it's harder to do it in a democracy so it's as simple as that i'm just not into people controlling other people no. so i think the swiss system away. works like i know there's a good crossover from, from our company name but the
2: swiss system is essentially like that it's like you've got seven parties they every year i think around seven anyway I'm sure it's not eight well it's good if it was <laughs> yeah i've definitely done my research on that one <laughs> but they every year they just hand over like you are the speaker now yeah. but every decision has to go to a vote from essentially a referendum yeah if they get i think it's like two thousand signatures to say we want to push this into parliament the whole, whole country votes on it yep yeah. and that seems i mean i'm sure they got their flaws too but that seems like a system that makes
0: sense yeah there's i think they've also got a system where they put together a public like a jury, but they're given a task, like uh, we need to, this public works, right? You guys will investigate it. And you do your jury duty, Mm. but it's uh, for this works. And there's no self, there's no interest. It's just, what is it that we're checking out? And you know, you're getting all the facts and science, and then they, as a collective, make the decision Mm. rather than the interest parties. You're going to make money out of it, or however they're going to do it, and so uh, i think that's a good system too. That's yeah. a great idea, as far as I'm concerned. I'd rather not just do jury uh, duty for crime, but for progress in the country. Yeah. And then you have a—you feel like you've got a part in it too. I understand that is good.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: so how grows. does um, so in 50 years' time, if we look at um, disassociation from violence, so violence is not cool right now, okay? Like people are. If you think of the majority of Australia, like positive reinforcement, um, assault, all this sort of stuff, you're going to need to have violent... I don't think war's going away any time in the next 100 years.
0: No, I think war's coming pretty much sooner than that. (laughs) we we need to dive into that one. (laughs) No, no, I won't go there. But I think, yeah, we were in a very, very dangerous time. Yep. And um, I probably equate it to around about 1938. I'd say that's where we're floating around at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of people, I mean, it feels like that. A lot of people throw that idea around, mm. going, this
2: is, we're in a position now, or we've kind of been simmering there for the last kind of almost decade. Mm. When you see, like, the rise of Donald Trump's and, and Boris Johnson's, it's like there's a that, that silent kind of majority that you're talking about that don't give a shit about politics. Mm. We're almost at the end of the tether where they're like, I think everyone's going to start voicing their opinion because we kind of had a go for
0: Yeah, yeah. And look, those, those sort of people, and, and I'm not here to rubbish any group in particular. But why do we end up with these sort of people in democratic, you know, societies who are probably extreme the mm. other way? And it's because that's, you know, it's a two-party system. And here's the person who, you know, we've got these people who are thick skinned, they're used to like they're characters that are used to being uh, controversial. They're used to people, you know, getting stuck into them. They've got a lot of ego. And so they're the ones who stand up first and take the hits and, yeah, I think this. And it may not be the best person for the job, but they're the first person from the other side who's taking all these hits and willing to take the hits. Mm-hmm. We're a lot of smart leaders and stuff, just rather stay in business or yeah. keep away from politics, keep away from that sort of thing. But I think we're at a point now we need to actually have smart, educated um, leaders starting to enter government And we probably need to get off all the crap about backgrounds and stuff like that. Because quite frankly, if if you've got a leader that's done nothing, which is sort of the thing we have now, so it's all about you know they're they're entering political parties from university and being very careful not to have any experience in life that could taint their ability to be. or help them lead a country or, <laughs> But the thing, or help lead a country, because you literally have not made mistakes to learn from them. Correct. I'd rather someone who's stuffed up for, for a long time and has turned it around and is a phenomenal individual now, couldn't care less about the past then. It's like, obviously, that's what made this person who they are today. But it's like, oh, you know, 20 years ago, he said this yeah because 20 years ago it was okay to say it was okay to say that so you know it's not now so whatever do you say it now no well shut up <laughs> uh, let the guy we'll do the it. job Yep. like we just got to get to that point and i think we will because i think it'll um it's going to happen and it'll, it'll be leadership
1: through order. community won't it uh, through sorry through uh committees as opposed because like oh i'm not going to make a decision let's put it yeah everything's in like, committee no, drop yeah. it on a committee yeah, yeah
0: and uh, so nothing happens quickly but I th- things are things are happening at the moment there's a lot going on so yeah so it's what happens if this
1: it. doesn't kick off with 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 where it looks like it's going and, and say we have another you know we we continue the proxy wars for the next you know 50 years and we know that violence in society we sort of this big gap between soldiers and the society that they protect is probably broadening and when guys come back from overseas they're a pariah Generally, and it's their job to fit back into society, mm. um, and they're probably not going to be able to because society continues on this path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these people, violent people, good men that do violent things. Is there, Is it, Are we going to create a caste system where they're going to be like we just have to have a pool of hard hitting dudes that don't belong? You know, like ants or whatever. Yeah,
0: like break glass. Yeah. <laughs> the time of war. Yeah. 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 yeah like pretty much. I mean, I I keep away from general society and myself. I mean, you look at, you know, you look at uh, where we are in the center and the things that we do, it's like there's nothing normal about it. And the sort of people that are attracted to to it are are like-minded people. So yeah, I've got no interest in, uh, again, I like the idea, I've got no issues with that, having little subcultures and little groups that hang out and do their thing. Like there is no one answer, Um, you know, like I don't want a little red book and be sitting there waving it going, yeah, this is the go, you know, and and all 20 million of us are doing the same thing. I'm not interested. I'd rather have a whole bunch of different ideas and little groups that get together based on, you know, what Mm -hmm. your interests are and how you want to live your life as you're not bothering anyone else, but go for it, be as crazy as you want to be.
1: Um, so you took before. So everyone, we get some context in this. You uh, you went overseas. You, I mean, you've done multiple deployments overseas with uh, with two commando. Uh, you had these skill sets in your, your particular martial art disciplines before you went, and was that useful? Over like we like, want to get to the. <clears throat> The crux of the whole thing, as well. Mm. Uh, were those disciplines? Did you employ them overseas? And was it we like? Thank fuck! I knew how to do that. And did the current unit at the time have or teach those particular skill sets?
0: Okay, um, that is a no, yes, no. I think so. <laughs> so um, yeah, mostly not. Like um, what you. Quickly realizes that the equipment you're in and uh, the fatigue that you're under. So you you know you're entering entering a battle, and you're far from at your best by the time you're in it, because you know you uh, haven't slept well, or you had a a fight that night, or you know it's it's just you're not sitting there for three months prepping for you UFC fight. So you're, you're not at your best and you're not at having a fair fight with somebody else. So um, that changes the dynamic a lot. So you obviously want to deploy your weapon systems and you want to work in teams so you have the best chance of uh, victory. And the only time that you're really going to do anything else is if you're just simply controlling somebody that you want to you know, capture or... Um, someone's got to drop on you and you've got to get them off your weapon or, they're, you know, they're on one of your guys or, or whatever, you know, you're in hand-to-hand fighting and then and then you've got to do something and that's probably where I learned the most about reality. You know, everyone's like, oh, submission, the ultimate. No, it's not, you know. You know, I thought that too and you just, okay, let's do it and then you're breaking someone's shoulder or their arm and they're still trying to kill you you realise, oh, okay, no, that doesn't, you know. Someone may sort of surrender, give up, you know, like tap out. I mean, tap out is basically surrendering. You're saying, okay, you've captured me, I give up. But when someone doesn't, and, and you'll see that too, like if you watch some Gracie fights, say Hoyle Gracie fighting Sakuraba, he never tapped. Sakuraba busted his shoulder, didn't tap. So things on what what's happened? You know, like, it's, and then, oh, well, it's about safety. We can't just have people's arms popping off in competition. It's not good for the crowd. So, you know, the referee can step in. We change the rules to make it, and that gets a wider audience. And the more you want a wider audience, the more you're gonna change things. Um, yeah, so it's it's very interesting. But fighting in a cage is not, that's not reality either. I mean, well, you know, reality fighting, where where else in the world do you see a octagon and you walk in there with no weapons no anything in your shorts and someone else hops into the other end
1: literally never like
0: like, you know you're in a bar you're in clubs there's people everywhere there's noise you got hit first that's the first thing you know like there's multiple people you've got your like there's nothing it's it's that's not real it's sport so it doesn't matter how we want to sort of angle it. It's, it's, the environment is artificial and that's probably the better way to look at it. So what I started to realise, it's not about my techniques, it's about my tactics and it's about understanding environments. And if I can predict and see the indicators to violence, you know, the, the predictors and the, and have situational awareness and understand how to deploy tactics, that's the stuff that keeps you safe. And if you think about it, that's really what street wise people who would say criminals, if you like, or or just people who are involved in a lot of violence, they start to become savvy with the environment and they start to deploy tactics. And, and it's, it's not a stand up fight, you know. So yeah, it's different. So what do you do when,
1: I mean, obviously overseas, uh, you've had more experience most people you're one of the nicest blokes I've i've only spoke to you for the last hour we spoke yesterday a little mm-hmm. bit as well one of the most nicest humblest blokes that i've met and you've probably killed a fucking fair few people but that first couple of experiences when you break someone's arm you're like i know how to hurt this guy i'm gonna break his fucking arm you know and then he'll oh, stop it'll, what it'll, do you do then like? yeah well,
0: it was just shock because you've done you've done the bit that you've trained to do so you got to the bit where you tap and <laughs> it's like Oh. so it's, all, it's like now, and so now, you you know, first of all, there's stress involved because you're fighting, you know, you, you, you're fighting for your life and for the life of your teammates. You're doing something automatic because your body, you've been taught and you just automatically do your thing, but you're also automatically looking for the response that that brings. Now, as, as crazy as it sounds, looking for a tap on a battlefield, how you train is how you fight. So you'll do it. You'll you'll just automatically do whatever it is that you do. And uh, so it's not a bad thing because you're in a fairly strong position. So it's not bad. But it didn't end it. So then um, then it's not ending. So now your heart rate's going up. And, you know, once that heart rate starts smashing through 145 beats a minute, it's already high because you're fighting, Um, which is why soldiers have to be fit. It's it's so that you're starting with a lower heart rate, so when you're under stress and your heart rate goes up, you're in you're in your sort of optimum sort of cruising altitude where you can do your piece. Um, but once it punches past that limit, it's like you know it's like going it's like you're flying too high and you have no oxygen. <laughs> you know you're you're gonna you're gonna pass it. You're gone. So and you can't think. So when your heart rate's up like that, your cognitive processes start to you know. Um, fall away. So it was it was odd, but I f- I felt well. You've lost one wing, so I've still got an advantage. So I've broken your arm. I've still got an advantage. I'm on top of you, and then I thought, well, I've got to strangle the guy because if I strangle him, um, you know, the blood oxygen stops going to the brain. You'll you'll fall unconscious. So that's sort of what I thought and that's what I did and that that works just dandy <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you take these things I mean what was it when you got when you finish that and you're like well that didn't fucking work like because that's you go there's there's quick ways of doing it you of all people would know there's quick ways of killing someone and strangling them so you're probably sitting there going fuck that didn't work and then get back to Australia and start. Oh, making-
0: immediately from that I started taking notes I did a lessons learnt in Canberra um, um, with, I think, the Muxel the military-owned combat thing was still going then. But I did a lessons learnt. Um, and, and also, just I was fanatical about the capabilities. So at work, you know, anyone that was involved in a firefight, anyone that had close contact with the enemy, I'd interview them. You know, I'd say, right, you know, next next company, company would come back and, you know, one of the sergeants, you know, Brett Wood or someone would say, hey, you know, so-and-so, this happened, this happened. You, you know, you read and you go find out who, who was involved and say, oh, yeah, that was Jono. And you go, okay, sweet. And um, so you go up and, and say, hey, mate, what happened? What did you do? What was the result? Take notes. So literally the Australian Combatants Program is a result of experiences from, from 2 Commando and what worked very well and quickly and also what worked with minimum training you know it was just a thing that it was a smart thing to do at the time so let's duplicate it now let's teach it so it just becomes a this is what you do in this if this happens and then just overlay it on multiple situations
1: because we didn't have what do we have what was the old ms military yeah, self-defense yeah military that self-defense fucking horrible
2: i did one day <laughs> one day of training for for military self-defense and that was it it didn't trickle
0: you yeah it's a very difficult thing um yeah it was, it was just too much martial art to it and uh, also its influences as well and look they meant well um the the fellow who sort of ran that travis foray a major Absolutely well intentioned, you know. You've
1: got to give them something. Yeah, you've
0: got to get something. But what happens is, um, you sort of, the military guys go, Well, I need experts. So they go off and get civilians who have no military context. And then the, there'll be something else that they like, and that has a, a huge amount of military context. And also, they're in, you know, they're in conflict. And there's a lot of elements within military self defense that are in conflict. And then you're like, well, we want to practice un- uh, unarmed combat. So then your civilian guy goes, oh, okay, we're all dressed with weapons. So how do I get you unarmed so we can start doing my martial art? So people start lowering their weapon to start doing hands-on. It's like, that's right. why, that's what, like, if you think about it, the reason soldiers blew their brains was because, or blew their minds, was because they're lowering their fucking weapon. And everything you're taught to do is to bring your weapon up. So when, when you know, I recon- got the CQF sort of rejigged and everything else, everything was opposite. It was all about getting your weapon up, getting your weapon on the target, getting back on your gun. If you can't get on your gun, get on your secondary. If you can't get on that, get on your auxiliary. And it was just this circle of weaponizing yourself and how do I assist you if you're, you know, you're calling assist. How do you assist me? So we're not guessing anymore and just falling over each other. And once you've got that going, it's sort of like a game of rugby then, you know. This is how you sort of do a scrum and this is how you get the ball out and this is how you... And it just becomes a little game of sort of rugby. And then then the close quarter stuff becomes just a tactics with the shooting. So we do all this tactical work with our firearms, yet close quarters fighting becomes some weird black art. And it's like, no, it's just... Okay, old mate's been hit, no worries. Keep him out of the fight so we clear the room, keep the guns up and first support comes in. Third guy, cover off so that those two aren't gonna get shot. Like it just automatic, like, a, you know, and, and that's sort of, that was the big difference, was to take the martial art um, play out of it and then bring the tactics war fighting into it. But ironically, you want people to keep training and the way you train is to enjoy yourself. So rolling around doing Jiu Jitsu is a great way to develop fitness and skill sets that lend themselves to close combat. But it's got to be play so people aren't getting hurt. You're not rolling around in armor. And then you've got to have a system or structure that then drives that understanding of what you're doing so you can build instructors. So you, you start, really, oh, well, now we're sort of getting back into martial arts sort of stuff. And, and just as long as you understand why you're doing it, you don't want all your soldiers playing martial arts. You want people who are interested in becoming subject matter experts and instructors doing it so that it's living and growing and you're developing experts. But if you have no interest whatsoever, here's the minimum you're doing. Because there was no... Oh,
1: I joined the army in 2002 at one hour.
0: Mm-hmm. There was nothing. It was
1: bayonet training.
0: one hour, mate, all you... <laughs> All you needed to be was in 1RO, mate. That's, That's all it. you needed. <laughs> there
1: was, yeah, there was bayonet training and... That was my that first was battalion, mate. Yep,
0: yep. 1RO, yep. yep. Fine
1: battalion. <laughs> well, where do you go from there? Bayonet training was like, I used to box when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, so in the army we had boxing. So um, so when I was in 1RO, we boxed. We literally had uh, intercompany boxing competitions and inter-battalion and so on. There was um, a little martial arts school in the gym as well, and just different things. But you're right, there was the, the thing was not to do martial arts in your own time, you know, which I just thought was bizarre. And unarmed combat really was, it was just a small group that did it. And it was, you know, run by, you know, legends of unarmed combat. Um, and they they were far and few between. And, you know, you tried to get on the course and most likely you wouldn't and then you had to be in a specialist area to do an unarmed combat course and, and so on. So it, it was it was interesting and the thing we made it very hard to be instructors and, and that meant people lost their ability to teach because they didn't maintain their skill set and that's probably the number one thing that concerned the G7 when they brought in the combatives was the um, instructor situation that we just wouldn't have enough instructors. So the, probably the only thing that we've done a little bit too quickly is how fast we can qualify instructors.
1: Yeah, because we, we were struggling when we left. They're yeah. like, the whole battalion needs to be ACP called. i like, yeah, like, fuck, yeah. Well, are you going to yeah. drop this, this? you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and that is why the combatted centres, the idea of a combative centre at each brigade, so three brigades just opened theirs. So they actually invited me up there, to, the brigade commander, to open the new centre. And then the idea is to have the subject matter experts, what we call combative master trainers, just borrowed the term from the US Army, and have them as subject matter experts. And they're the ones, so you don't need them to instruct, but there you go to people for capability. So that's the idea of this thing that, you know, we get it that it takes a long time to have someone squared away with skill sets. But there are people joining the Army now that have great skill sets. So let's teach them the tactics. If they're, if they're interested, you'll, you'll rapidly spin them up as CMTs and, and then um, off you go. So that's the idea of it. So we're, we're working on it. So even now, the program is is evolving. And um, the Kiwis are just taking it on. So uh, the New Zealand Army. Yeah, they dropped their program before yep, that. So they're taking on ACP. As the, They're just grabbing the Australian program and implementing it in. Um, but as time goes on, too, they'll they'll probably want to work things out that better suit, you know, their, their army and how they think. So, yeah, so it's an ANZAC capability now. I even call it ANZAC P, the Australian New Zealand Army Combative Program. <laughs> the new ANZACS. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's exciting, exciting times, as far as that goes but yeah it's got a life of its own now so it's it's huge and you know there's plenty of things that happen. like even when the program started you know you might say this is the best stuff for level 1 and then level 2 cuz they want to break it up but if you know the boss the commander is going to make a decision and he's going to want to put his take on it and you, you just got to accept that yeah no worries, fair enough and now there's a lot of different players involved and you need to empower them because If you try, you're never gonna control something forever. And if you don't think of it as stewardship and your job simply just to leave the place better for the next person to sort of have the best chance of success, and you try to get too emotional about it, you'll just, ends up just uh, falling apart. So yeah. So the proximity to,
1: one of the interesting points is uh, uh, going back a little bit, your proximity to killing. When you're talking about World War Two, when you saw people, I think it was uh, it was a guy on Killing and on Combat. Who, who wrote that? Uh,
0: that's Dave Grossman.
1: Grossman. And he was saying, interesting to get your opinion on it, they were saying fighter pilots or people on battleships shooting other battleships disassociated from killing because they're like, well, I'm just shooting at a ship, I'm not really killing people. Mm, mm. And that the proximity to killing someone can have an increase in negative effects afterwards, or, or more of a personal experience. Mm. Almost to the point of like, they to talking like sexual experiences. Mm. Not I'm probably, far, I'm horribly paraphrasing this. No, no, yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. What is it like being, so shooting people, a lot of, you know, there's been some experience overseas, people shooting people. What is it like being right there and, and fucking killing someone with your own hands? Well, and did that, how did that fucking affect you? Were you like, like, what was the, the range of emotions?
0: The, the, the closer you get to... Well, first of all, the more you see the, the human face, you know, the more it's it's personal, you know. Like, it's the closer you are to someone, the more stress, the more, you know, your realisation. Same as, like, a target exploitation, you know. So, so if you're... You might be at a distance and you're fired on the enemy and they're fighting and you're doing your piece, but then you're entering the room and there's dead bodies. You know, it's like depending on if the firefight's still going or if it's over and you're just now checking like they're people and you had nothing you know you don't know who they are you don't have anything personally against that and um but they're fighting you so you you sort of accepted that hey it's you me i'm here so i'm a professional and um i accept that if i get killed i get killed like that's how i sort of think with it you know it's only fair like if I'm going to kill someone else and I accept that you may kill me. right? Um, So it's different to a situation where you're not looking for a problem or a fight and someone's bringing it to you that's you know that's a different mentality you're bringing it but you're bringing it too because you're something happened and you want to be a part of the solution so you know, people fly planes into towers, and then they're telling you, "Well, this is where they're hanging out and doing their training." We need to shut that down. You know, and I get it; it makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's it's the closer you get to that face, that human face, is what makes it real. So whether they're you know whether they're dead when you come to them, or whether you're fighting them and having that in that interplay, that's the weird thing. You know like the person's alive and you're you're fighting them um but you just need to win because you don't want to be the one that loses at least if they lose you're the ethical and no matter what's been said lately in the media predominantly australian soldiers are very ethical and excellent and and um you're the one who will well i'll capture you or whatever you know um It'll be done to the rules of combat, whereas the Taliban, you know, you don't want to be captured by the Taliban. Get fucking head cut off you going get here. your head cut off, you get, you know, you, and if you look at what happened to the Russians, where, you know, we've, we, we had, not Australia, but the US had observers who were there, um, you know, because obviously it was a proxy war against the Soviet Union. And then you look at the torture and what happened to Russian soldiers when they were captured, you know, so you don't want to be one of those guys. And your attitude is, you know, you'd rather die than be captured. So, yeah. But most of the time, you also feel very, very dominant. Like you, you you've, you've got this team that's highly trained. You you know what you're capable of. You you just do it over and over, and you're just in there, and you just you're dominating. And um, you know, probably the biggest kick to is when you lose one of your own guys. You know, that's that's a huge kick, like that knocks you over and um, yeah, that's, that's the hardest thing to, to deal with is losing your own guys and then when that starts to ramp up, the other thing too is um, losing guys when you're not there, that's it, that's bad again, so it's like you're not even there, and you just hear that a mate got killed and you're like fuck and you're not there or there other good people there, but you still had this guilt sort of thing. So if you were there, maybe things were different? Well, yeah, or, or just, yeah, your mate died and you weren't, you weren't, you know, nearby. Um, yeah, it's just, it's weird, but as far as the stress and the effect, the closer you are to someone, and there's evidence, tons of evidence that, yeah, that's going to have a big effect on you, so... Um, Distance, that's why shooting people is, you know, and the further away you shoot them, uh, the the more effective people can be. And the closer you get, it just gets weird. So that's why you've got to have soldiers that are very... People think that you just automatically fight for your life, and and you don't. And um, one of the skill sets, one of the things I did in the Army was military climbing. And you just sometimes you get hit a crux, and you just think, You know, like, I just feel like I can't get over this. It'd just be easy to just let go and fall off the cliff. And then that was really interesting to me, that my, that that was something went through your head. I thought, fuck, that's bizarre. Bizarre thing, you know? That, you know, you're under so much stress that you're just like, fuck. And then I thought, that's probably a very similar thing that happens in combat. Some people who just, you just seem to sit there. It's like, well, it's all your choice, you know? Are you gonna kill me? or you. Maybe it's just easier to die, yeah, yeah. rather than fight back, you know. Mm-hmm. So you've got to instill this mindset or else You just people just lambs to the slaughter if you don't have that warrior, go forward, attack. The other thing too is I'll tell you right now, you save more lives with that offensive mindset. So I'll give you an, an example. Is um, we did a heap of training with seven R A R. Um, like when we first started prepping soldiers and assisting with the, for Afghan trips. So they got sort of right into the close combat and the um, ACP as it sort of first was sort of shaping. And um, they did an exercise where they were basically given this old shopping centre or whatever it was, they could just do CQB, close quarter battle through it and, and so on. And they had reservists in there. And we told the reservists, they were unarmed, they told him when they come through the door, they won't shoot because you're unarmed, but what I want you to do is get up and just push them out the door. All right? And he's like, oh, okay, so they're ready to go. So these guys, and I've seen the video of it, and the, the door's cracked open, the first guy gets up to push him out, and they just gets throat punched into the wall because the guy's just automatically done his ACP, so he's just gone crack. He's just rammed into the wall. The other guys are passing into the room, and the other two guys that are meant to help just went, no. Nope that and just sat down like literally no nah, I'm not doing that. Sat down, my boy old mate got wailed and they're in the room. So because of that aggressive nature, they're dominating that space and three now now put that into a context of battle. Three people now survive that. They would have been taken prisoner. Like even if that was a firefight, they're unarmed, they would have been taken prisoner. Now you 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 take that ability to have that aggressive offensive mindset. And let's say that it's got pushed out and they've always been, you know, don't, you know, don't get too make sure you're nice and whatever. They're getting pushed out. Now the pressure's going on those soldiers. They can't get in the door or their mate got stuck. And oh, what do I do now? What do I do now? My option is pull triggers. Like I'm panicking now. Oh, fear. Okay, so now I'm fear of being us being killed or losing this. So we now need to just ramp the violence up. Same as police, if you're unable to just control the situation because you understand what violence is and someone gets silly and they just grab their arm and say, settle down, mate. You know? like, like coppers when I was a kid, like they didn't even carry guns. You know, Society had guns everywhere. Like Queensland, I was in the army when you could, with, you didn't even need a gun license. You could buy an AR-15, you could buy an SLR, the same rifle I had at work, I had in my locker. I could buy it with no gun license. Mm. So people think America, well, well, it wasn't that long ago, we could do the same thing. Yeah. So I could just go buy a gun without a license yet the, the police didn't carry guns. Now we can't have guns and the police are carrying guns. It's like, what, what, fuck's what going your, on? What era was safer? Like? Oh, I felt much safer then. 100%. And I don't feel like, you know, kids, Instead of going through the system where police can't do anything about you and then you just get more and more, um, what's it, confident in doing the wrong thing, you think, ah, oh, fuck it. And all of a sudden you kill someone, you, you know, you go into a house or you do a serious crime and then you're up for an indictable offence. So you go, oh, let off, let off, let off, bang, bad luck, man, you're going to jail. When you could have just gone, you know, mate, you're a dickhead get a whack, go see Dad, he goes, you're a dickhead because the police bring you and you go, you did that, whack. And that was it, you're done, no problem. Now I get it, people abuse these things and that's, you know, and again we go through all that's all, we've got to make sure that power's not abused and all that, got it. But um, yeah, it's really interesting seeing how times have changed, so as you get older, you know, you start seeing it, and then you start realising why there's so many grumpy old men. Because <laughs> they're sitting there going, fuck this, I've seen it all before. Oh, we were talking about that the just other day. You watch
2: Clint Eastwood movies, that one where he's, what's that movie where he's sitting, the Grand Tour. Oh, Grand, Grand T- T- Where he's sitting <laughs> on his porch yeah. drinking tinnies, eating um, yeah. jerky. I'm like, he's, you watch that thinking he's just culturally disconnected from, i oh, yeah. got um, his like, flag. Hey, in... I reckon we're about five years off being
0: Clint Eastwood sitting on the, <laughs> sitting on the porch. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. But look, I don't accept that there's no-go places in Australia and that's sort of how it's getting. I'm like, I'm not very impressed that, you know. I look at the, say, Victoria Police and how effectively they shut down everything to do with COVID, yet um, gang violence or Sudanese gangs is just way too hard to do something. Well, you did a pretty good job with the fucking flu. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, old point. mate Ralph. Like you had fucking riot gear and you're smashing granny because she's got a fucking phone and she's filming you, or you're entering someone's house because they said Dan Andrews is a dickhead. But uh, what the gangs that are hitting shit, you can't sort that out. Mm. So, what happened to your powers?
1: Just legislated them, legislated them out of power. Yeah. Bureaucracy. I yeah, but
0: bring it back in yep. to deal with COVID. Just smash everyone. It's an emergency now. Okay, well, then make fucking gang violence an emergency and do something about it. Hence, dealing with professional politicians who really don't give a shit and are just there being politicians. Mm -hmm. Now, COVID's an interesting thing because it's like musical chairs, because really none of us gave a shit about politics and then states fuck we didn't even think states had power like they just did shit didn't they no and but i think the state states didn't think they had power and then they were like, states lost. didn't think they had power, right <laughs> and all of a sudden we're sitting here and going oh guess what it's up to the states if they close borders and they do this do that. and all of a sudden well, who? and you sort of looking around going well who, who's sitting in the chair mm. the music just stopped who the fuck's in the chair and you go who the hell is that and it's just a dude that you know you would you wouldn't you wouldn't not have a beer with you know you just some dude that's out of uni who just want to be a professional politician and following through and you just and that guy's making decisions you just think okay you know the old if it ain't broke don't fix it well guess what it's broke who
1: did the um need what country heads. they put they had two. they had a king for peace and then in wartime they had a, they had a, a king that was went... the native
3: native americans i'm pretty sure had that today so they're like was they're, it they're, yeah they're peacetime leaders the
0: romans would um I'm not sure the name, but I think that word dictator actually comes from a a Roman concept. But that person would become the leader in time of war and then go back to the... relinquish the power in peace. But you need to be a benevolent dictator and relinquish power. Exactly, you wouldn't get that these days. You get someone who doesn't relinquish power and off it goes. You
2: get the Dick Cheney model where it's like, oh, the war's over, we're going to have to hand it back. No, no, let's just start another one. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we've been doing for 20 years. Yeah,
0: it's, but, it's,
3: it's been... Yeah, I think the yeah. Native American one trickled through their society. So it was even their like whole like groups of men. That was like they had war fighting men and they had their sort of peacetime men. And everyone sort of just went off the back burner. So from the start, it was a peacetime thing that they would go through. They would just change positions. So you didn't get the whole ego with it. It was like, I oh, know that's our job, now it's over.
1: Because yeah. there's Polly's getting in, there's some, there's some good guys at the moment. Um, young yeah. Tomo, he's fucking banging around. Year nine, maths and English, concreteer, fuck all, went overseas, banged it in. And he gets yeah. up there and he's got tattoos and they're like, you can't have tattoos in Parliament?
0: It's, it's fucking scary.
1: I'm like, well, he's a fucking leader. And- well,
0: they better change that rule because of fucking nine-year-olds are running with tattoos. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got one, so they better better change that. But, yeah.
1: So how did you, from all this, and, and from, from so having some of the most extreme experiences a human being can have, uh, you, you transitioned out of, well, you got out of the army out of, you got out of the army, uh, and you knew what you wanted to do, or was there a lull?
0: Oh, no, I got out of the army a couple of times. So I'm, I'm a retreat, so I've, I've been a regular reservist, inactive, out, full-time reservist regular you know like um <clears throat> so uh, yeah so i'm not institutionalized and, and i saw life outside the army and you know I, I started a business and um started a new program with uh youth i mean initially i got out of the army i was in one hour and you know it was the long piece it was, it was before somalia and it's just yeah you know, there's only so many elephant beetles you can just watch in the guard box being <laughs> cremated in the fucking insect bug catcher, you know, before you just think, what am I doing with my life? But a fantastic start to life. And um, I, I love the army and I loved it initially and and uh, and so on, but I just um, thought, geez, you know, is there what's next? So I thought I'd join the police force go join FICPOL because I'm from Victoria originally um and we hit the recession the recession we had to have um from the 80s so yeah I got out initially in 1990 something or 90 mid 1990 or 91. went to join the Victoria police did my thing to get in and then they closed the academy they could not afford to train police so the recession oh, okay. was that bad As like we've got no money so that's what, you know, what, what are we now, five times the debt? Like, shit's gonna get weird, I'm sure. But they, the Army had no, so when I was in the Army, we didn't have money to shoot live rounds. Often we had no blanks, no fuel. So just limited track time for vehicles. That's why they wore greens and had SLRs and stuff. No updating of equipment and uniforms because the Cold War is going, you know. And the last thing the government needed to do was spend money. So they pulled back their spending. But then the states started struggling. So Victoria literally closed the police academy. And so it was like, it didn't matter that you're going in next week or whatever, you start again when it opens. So um, my wife at the time, when it reopened, I started teaching martial arts. So I thought, no, I'm gonna do this, you know. And I was part-time and I picked the apples and struggled with all that. And if you want to know about that? I literally lined up to do an interview with a farmer to pick apples. Like there's lines of us, mm. and you had to do interviews to pick apples. Like people don't understand. Oh, no, wearing shit tuxedos. And yeah. <laughs> shit. So as in,
2: in, in contrast to today, where we've got we're just printing fake money, and the whole country's on job keeper or job seeker, and oh, yeah. they just opened up fifteen hundred jobs to bring Islanders in to pick fruit cause Aussies because Aussies are too lazy to it. go and do it.
0: Well, once you drop that fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, they're, they're, gonna, gonna be, gonna yeah, they're going to line. where's those pick fruit picking fruit. jobs? Yeah. Sorry, we just
2: gave them all away. Yeah, we had
0: lines of people picking fruit. that wanted yeah. to pick fruit. Yeah, yeah. And um, same as working in like uh, abattoir and stuff like that. You just had people everywhere just waiting to, to someone didn't turn up to get called up. It's bizarre. So yeah, I did all that. did all that and just felt, Fuck, you know, welcome to the world. And then, so I taught martial arts was my thing. But my wife, the academy opened again, and she, she applied and was in within two weeks. So she became the copper, and and so yeah, she was. And then we had a son. So I basically taught martial arts, and looked after our son while she worked full time as a copper. And then, as time went on, I got involved with. Um, she got posted into the country, and I got involved with had some. Uh, aboriginal fellas who started training with me as well doing martial arts and the school got quite big and I uh, became quite good friends with one person in particular and then they said well you know the boys need stuff because they're leaving school and shit so I started working with this one young fella and just acted like a guy you know no bullshit no fucking tree hugging mate we need to you know if the reason some schooling helps us is for these reasons and let's go do some shit and apply math to that you know let's look at navigation let's look at survival and see how education fits into that and he ended up back in school and then the community's like you're lad back in school so then it's like well can you do that for other kids and end up getting a program called pathfinder that was for at-risk young young boys and stuff and that's kicked off and then it had heaps of Aboriginal lads in it and yeah, that just became a, a thing and um, and then yeah, nine eleven, and it's like, fuck shit it's gone south and
1: Where were you when you watched? Swan
0: Hill I, was, oh, I, I just got back I just got back from Melbourne, so I literally drove in, I got, it was late at night and I Wide. I just thought, like, I, probably because I had 90 coffees to, to get back. And I just thought, oh, I'll put the TV on. And the TV was on, and this building was fucking smoking. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? I just watch, you know, like, you just, you're caught, you know, the thing was live. And it's like, hmm, just... And then talking about a plane, I'm like, how the fuck does a plane fly into a the building? Like, oh, God, that went south, you know, like, you just think, and then that second plane just goes, boom. You go, holy shit, they're under attack. He's fucked and it was just shock. The whole thing was shock, like each thing that happened, you know, people jumping off buildings and then a building coming down, you're like, just watching it come down going. Like, you're not even accepting that's happening. You're seeing it, but your brain's going, no, that can't be happening. It's just, it was the most bizarre thing. So that just had me go, right, whatever I can do, for the army i'll just re-enlist so i ended up getting offered a gig so commando was my trade right so i ended up getting offered a gig to be the sme subject matter expert at uh, for the military and combat cell to revamp msd military self-defense i was there for like a day because they re-enlisted me and i'm like okay off i go at least i'm you know i know this subject and then when I got there, they went, oh, I've got a critical trade shortage for sergeants at four hours. You've got to get posted at four hour i like, fucking hell. Like, I've been out of this game for a long time. You know, I need to, there'll be a lot of catch up. And that was just the workload, the, the amount of catch up. And then being a sergeant, I had to do a massive amount of supervisor courses. And it was just non-stop. It was just dominating my life, um, you know, as you expect. And then I didn't ever expect to go to Afghanistan. It like six months later, bang, you're in Afghanistan first time, go. And it's just, it was just that, it was just rampant. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, I want to help the war effort, but I didn't expect to be standing in Afghanistan now. Six and months later. Like, six yeah. months later, we're in Afghanistan. It's like, great, don't get me wrong. I'm rapt that that happened. I like, couldn't be more happy with the way my career went in the, in the army. But it was, you know, very a lot of luck. Um, well, you create a lot of your own luck. You know, you got to be there, don't you, to, to make it happen. But yeah, it was it was it was interesting.
1: So then you get out from that being being at that sort of high pinnacle point of your career. Mm. Was there like a? So I mean, we sort of bring it up most of the time when we look, we did a survey with dudes and said, what are the things that really reduce your mental health? Like what are the what are Mental cause, mental health decline in you. And we're like, here we go, it'll be like the, the, the throwaway PTSD. We're like, it can't be that. Hmm. And they said, out of the five, they said four of them was tribe, routine, identity, and purpose. Hmm. These four things were the biggest things. One of them, so loss of tribe, loss of routine, identity, or purpose. And they just started dropping one and/or all, all of those things. Hmm. <clears throat> and I'm just be curious to know when you left. I mean, you'd still have old boys.
0: It was, it was the around. other way around for me, so it, what you said makes total sense. But the reason I left was just um, workload. It wasn't. It wasn't even me going. Oh, I need to leave. I was like, I couldn't leave. So I started getting. Um, it was two thousand and nine. I started getting um, pain, like which I accepted because I'm, you know, I was in my late thirties fucking run around with these alpha male dudes having to get fit and fucking have armor and shoot and do your thing, right? So I go, okay, get it. Um, but my whole body was just fucking just stopped. Like was, And I'm like, oh, fucking, what is wrong with me? I went to the doctor and he just looked at me and smiled and said, next door, mate, and go sit aside. And I'm like, it's my body, mate, not my head. Go see the psych. Hey, I don't know why I'm here. Oh, okay. Ask me a few questions. Yeah, I've got this on. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm going to run that course. I'm going to do that. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. She's like, yeah, no, it's two weeks off. No, can't do it.
1: Can't do it? Fuck no. It's, yeah, no, it's, do
0: it. it's, <laughs> it's impossible. Impossible. Can't take two weeks off. I'm fucking too much on. We'll just be leaving the guys fucking shorthanded. We're already shorthanded. Can't do it. Yeah, anyway, that's an order, two weeks off, mate. Can't, like, impossible. So I'm back out with the doc going, fuck, what's the fuck, you can't do this. Two weeks, couldn't believe how good I felt. Like, so it was literally stress. Even though I loved what I was doing, the body's like, fuck, can't do it. Mm-hmm. And it just starts to full collapse. Um, but that was the first time, but I kept going, like, I was okay. And then you, you know, you've refreshed your tank and off you go. Um, but I think the issue is too when you do take your time off, it's not like that two weeks of what do I fucking do, and eventually you're just chilling out, because you're so well. I'm taking time off, All right, Let's go to America and let's go check this out and let's go shoot here and let's like, you just you can't slow down. So even your holidays just fucking ramped up, and then you come back from that and it's like right, let's get into work, you know, and you're looking forward to work. I like, got. Like, I remember, I, you know, I don't want to sound like a f- fucking oddball, but there'd be weekends I just couldn't wait for the weekend to fucking end. So, especially on team, I fucking loved it. Best job in the fucking world, loved it. Loved being Echo Alpha, fuck. Couldn't think of a better job. Loved the time pressure, the stress, cracking orders out flat out, one after, loved it. To this day, I'll tell you, that's the best job I've ever done. But other people just melt under that that stress. But me, if I don't have the stress, I'm just like, whatever. I just sort of chill. You know, I need some stress to
1: move forward or move forward rise to something. up.
0: Yeah, we're on. Okay, sweet. Yep. Let's do that. Um, so, yeah, so I got out because simply that falling down process sped up. And, and just got to a stage where I just fucking, I was not well. And so I just became very unwell. And then one day at work, just snap, like, boom. And I was like, yeah, you're fucked, dude. And I was gonna get out earlier, like, I felt it for probably uh, a year to a year and a half, but the CEO said, look, you can just stay. You know, we'll get, I want you to finish this capability and so on. Great, you know, great CEO and no, no you know no issue and everything, but. Yeah, it was too long, and so I recognised it and was going to discharge just for my own well-being, and I just stayed on basically until I fell off the perch, and then that was it. I was wrecked, so I was just, I was just wrecked. I was probably wrecked for about a year, and then I'm on medication to try and become unwrecked. No idea what's wrong with me, just wrecked, and then, um, and then I'm just smashing the alcohol like smashing it just start drinking a bottle of whiskey a, a night and not well and then basically i got it offered a gig at the australian institute of sport you know where they you know uh, one of the scientists there one had the idea of starting a com- combative center for the olympic combat sports it hasn't been done before it's like sounds interesting he goes yeah we want you to be culture because you've been doing this sort of close combat development and so forth from special forces, we want to bring that mindset and and so on and so on. So it gave me a great opportunity and that's what led me out. New purpose, new association and elite. So I'm gone from to commando, but now I'm going to the Australian Institute of Sports. So it's still elite, I'm still doing with elite. And then we're, we're doing trips to the US to talk to, you know, um, we did a talk with some SEALs and we did a talk with, the National Basketball League, or whatever it's called, Association, NBA Association, with some of the coaches, and then we did stuff at uh, Red Bull in in um, Santa Monica. It was just bizarre, you know. So it's just, and that was all new to me. So it's like, oh, yeah, good. Anything that's just hasn't happened, you know, you just want to. No experience, new no yeah. Partners. I just love it. I just love that sort of fast learning. What can I bring to the party? just love it, so that sort of got me back on my feet and then that was sort of fading away and then the army went, hey do you reckon you can do this with uh, prepping troops from Afghanistan and it's like, yeah I'm going to do that, and then that just picked up and then just really ramped up and that's sort of how it all happened, so I was just yep, I can do it and um, yeah, getting back into it but now I'm much more aware of what too much work is and also i've got a lot of good people around me so it's it's very different and also it's your own business it's a it's not like being in the army where it's like hey i know you're doing this but i need you to do this as well you know so it's, it's it can be high tempo but it's it's manageable and it's comfortable and it's enjoyable
1: so what is a day in the life like what's your routines if you're having a good, if you're killing it, bang! I've learned some biohacks. You know, like I get up, meditate, whatever. Like, what's your thing to get you in yeah, the? Yeah, I've been cracking
0: some meditation. Um, I've got a, um, my my first karate instructor, who's also a one-hour hour guy. He's he's uh, probably another ten years. He's ten years older than me, somewhere like that, and um, he's actually gotten right into Zen Buddhism and lives in Japan and comes back and does his thing and lives in Asia most of the time, and he's become a priest, like a Zen Buddhist priest. <coughs> um, you know, whatever that translates to. And he's been showing me, you know, this med- just meditate. And it's just be, like just be there. Stop trying to influence everything, just sit, be. If your head thinks, then think. And then, you know, it's just a really interesting thing. And it's very, very calming. <coughs> so... I was doing that for a bit and then, um, and then I ended up having uh, relationship problems, which um, tends to be a problem for me, relationship problems. Probably because, to be honest, I put work and I put my children sort of first. So I'm always seeing my children and I'm always working. And if someone f- can fit in with that, great. But as soon as I've got to fit into a life with someone, can't do it. Just can't do it. Can't do it. Simple as that. I've tried many times and cannot do it. So I just accept that's it. So, yeah. So to answer your question, I'll get up. Hopefully there's some guys that want to wrestle first thing in the morning. Yeah. Yep. Jiu-jitsu. <coughs> and um, I'll do that. And then uh change and it's sort of like, cause there's a bunch of us and, and we're all running our own businesses. And then, then we've got this sort of overlay where we support each other and stuff like that. What happens is things just start. So you've got your emails and you've got all your stuff that you've got to do for your own company, but also people are coming in. And, um, and we're at a point now where it's really interesting because people are coming in Going, hey, I'm, I'm this guy with sound, you know, and I work here, and he's a new, and you're listening to his new headset, and you're like, yeah, and go, and and you, it's all, you know, they're coming to you because they want your input, and how can we do this, and is there an application for this with the military, and you know, and and so we're doing that all the time with the you know VR, and and we've got a, a um, partnership with Airbus for for um, Nightjar, and. All these different things. You just—it's just non-stop. So, it's the variety that I like. It's the fact that I can't tell you exactly how each day plays out, and it's like, oh, you know, tomorrow. Well, you're on the road. Go, and that's a big thing too. I like being on the road. <clears throat> I like going somewhere. I like always being going somewhere. So,
1: like Adrian's a gypsy
2: as well. He can't stay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm in the same boat with almost all of it i've been a gypsy kids and worker priorities can't yeah. find chicks a date. well find them yeah but
0: exactly and um yeah yeah and i'm i've got a, seen a girl now who's right into jiu-jitsu and she's into her work and stuff and that seems to be working well so yeah, it just just depends you know and you know my second wife you know i really i've you know she she was around when i was in the army you know, american i married an american girl so my kids are half american my second batch of kids are half american and um she was a you know great person and that but i was completely off the perch i was wrecked and i was on so much medication fuck i could not function and and you know you know when you're there but you're not like, you can see everything going on, but you're fucking passenger, cannot function. Yeah. Yep. And he's just like, yeah, you're a passenger. That's a good way of putting it. You're just fucking. So what's the point, you know? So fucking eat chips and drink grog, whatever. So, yeah, that's, she She had me at a pretty bad time. So, um, yeah, and I've just realised that it's that, keep going. And, yeah, gypsy, absolutely. Oh, I think it's a great, great way to be. I've just accepted this is you. Stop trying to be what fits best and what I'm doing right now fits best. Be on the move all the time. Be a gypsy, you know, be around what you want to be around. Um, be helpful where you can. Be part of this community. And, and that's sort of it.
1: Don't try and stick a round peg in a square hole. like. yeah yeah i've just got
0: to a point yeah just accept it yep so that's you know i hadn't really thought about that but now that you've sort of mentioned it it's just like i just accept that this is what i am just be comfortable being you stop trying to be whatever the fuck you thought you had to be because that's the way you are brought up to think or whatever times have changed just be comfortable being you
1: so uh, where do people find so your business your social handles where because we haven't really been able to plug the, the fucking amazing work you're doing, but what? Where can they find you? What's well, the business? What's well, your future well, projects, mate? We've
0: got we've got the uh, the socials, so kinetic fighting on Facebook, and then there's Paul Kale official on Instagram and Facebook. So if people just want to jump on and see what's happening, you know, feel free. Um, then there's a website which is the you know w's kineticfighting.com, and that's that has a lot of information it has blogs it has it's very well looked after that website and it will tell you what's going on and what's happening especially if you want to do training you know any other which well what's the training like well the training is the tactics and the thinking that overlays martial arts so it doesn't matter what martial art background you have this will get you thinking and understanding what what are the precursors to violence and human behavior stuff which first book that's the first book, and the uh, author is Matthew Wan, and he's an expert, works with us at Kinetic, and you can see his, his background is uh, his, his, uh, analytical and his you know, intelligence and a whole lot of you know spooky, happy things.
1: What's that book title?
0: It's, a, it's basically predicting violence, so it's the precursors how to interpret, interpret non-verbal cues, and it's it's a manual basically, so it's it's part of what we, we teach, but now we've got a, a book for it, so that's about to be launched. It's not out yet, um, but that's the sort of thing we're working on now: getting the books sorted, getting um, getting the information so that people can get out there and access it. And we'll be doing the same thing. there will be um, you'll be able to go into the website, access videos, and, and you know, do your thing, and and all that, but all of that is not my bag in how to set that up. So we've got the information, but we've got good good people now to start putting it together. And it all takes time. Like, you know, we thought that would be a good idea. And then we were literally launching the civilian programs when the army asked for this work and we just couldn't keep up with the capacity. So we literally shut down everything we're doing in the civilian space probably for two years just because the workload that the army had on us and the money, we had to redirect all our resources into servicing that. And then it wasn't until we got on top of it that we could then reallocate budget to get the civilian program back up again. So we we make our money really from the government in what we do with government, but our passion is empowering people. So we we keep going with the programs and keep that going. So that's that's important to me because it's there'll be people that don't join the army. Don't that's not their thing. But you can still give them the experience of of that service so that they can look after themselves, or at least have a different mindset, start thinking differently, and not just sit back and be a victim. You
1: know? Oh, spot on, mate. Yeah, so hundred percent.
0: That's the big one. There were for. But yeah, there's a lot on. So we've got a couple of contracts we're right in the middle of now. So straight after this podcast, I'm in a meeting um, with that. And um, yeah, some big new sort of capability. Um, And like I said, Airbus, like talking to other corporations, defence corporations and stuff. And we've got a few partners. We've got virtual reality um, software builders and so forth who are in Victoria for the company with Kinetic XR. Um, Building, you know, like um, um, IED experiences with Bushmasters and all that or close combat in in virtual reality and so forth and how to measure results and things. So it's just, it's non-stop, which is, it's good. It's it's very, it's challenging, but it's exciting. It keeps you keen Mm. each day. So there's a lot coming out. So people just follow if they want to see what's happening. I've done a fair bit of work now with police departments in different states, mostly um, South Australia, and there's some other other things coming up. So I tend to try I try not to talk about what's coming, and people go, oh, gee, you're doing all this and this and this, but uh, like it always, things fall over. But you know, when you don't have much on, when you're younger, you're kind of always talking about this thing that's coming, yeah. and it doesn't come, and then everyone goes, yeah, I didn't think that'd work for you. Uh, you know yep, if yep. it does work oh well done mate but it's just i can't even keep up with what is working mm. Let on all the stuff that failed so i don't even worry about anything that's coming we just tend to talk about yeah we're doing this 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 and this but just like always there's plenty of things that fall over but just don't focus on them just forget that shit. that's just noise you know that's just that's business I think that's a big thing that I've noticed from young people at the moment. They think that everything's gotta happen. Like the first step, you don't fall over, you know, you just kill it. And then oh look, I'm discovered and then oh look, I'm a CEO. Yeah. It's like, Fucking hell mate. It's
2: the Instagram you know? generation. We'll talk yeah. about this last night it's, with um a bloke we went out to dinner with a Bloke that runs a really fairly successful paletting coaching company. Um, and he's saying like it takes you five to ten years of failure. Yeah. Learning the hard way, and no one sees that. They see you the, the ten-year polished model and think you're an overnight success.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the, and just the, the money you lose in making mistakes and, mm-hmm. and everything else. One thing I would say I'd recommend to anyone young. I I did it by accident, which is the first thing I ever brought was a company. And it was just a shelf company, but I don't understand why. Like we didn't have YouTube and shit like that when I was young. It's like just read books but I just put everything through that company. Like if I had an idea, I'd put the money in the company and then I'd do it, it'd fail, I'd lose my money. And I just kept doing that and I kept the company. So even when I joined the army, I just kept paying every year to keep the company. But the, the fact of the matter is that I ended up doing business that was successful. Guess what? That company owes you that money tax-free. Mm. Uh, oh yeah. So 20 years of fucking up.
2: Thinking that you've
0: lost all this money, well, hey, you're making money now. Good, go draw that hundred k of your life that that you made mistakes mm. tax free and put it in your pocket money because the company owes you.
1: Fucking take that. You one gave it me. a loan. You yep. gave it
0: a loan. So whatever you do, the first thing you do get a company. All your ideas, put it through your company, so that one day if it does work out for you, which if you just keep at it, whatever you know, and you're an expert. Like you're to become an expert at something, like whatever it is. Give yourself 20 years, become the expert and you will get your money back. And off you go.
1: Fuck mm-hmm. I'm writing that one down. Kegan, write it down, mate. <laughs> mate, that was fucking good having you on. Uh, I think everyone would agree. It's Australia's version of John Wick, Paul Carl, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, mate. We'd love to get you back on and yeah. and, and deep dive some of the uh, extreme close quarter shooting stuff that you're doing and, oh, yeah. and yeah, all no that. Worries. Mate, uh, there's not enough minutes in the day to, to deep dive your story mate so
0: oh it's but, a pleasure thanks thanks very much it's great to meet everyone at uh, swiss eight
1: cheers mate thanks very much no
0: worries <laughs> thank you